Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. You know, I've been thinking about it lately in terms of, of training. It's like the, there are these two polarities between training in a way that makes me look good versus training in a way that makes me feel good. Now, I can train a certain way that might make me look great, and I might post a picture on Instagram, and everyone will be going, oh my God, you look great. I get that instant dopamine rush of like, oh, people said I look nice. Um, but then it's it's a very empty quest. It's like, well, where does that end? You just try, you just keep trying to get more perfect and more perfect and more perfect, and it just ends in a, in a mess. Versus, I'm going to train in such a way that makes me feel great. So now I can do certain things. I have a I have more capability. Right. I can I can run if I need to. I can play with my kid if I want to. If I go to the beach, I can run. I can swim. If I want to go on holiday Montana, which I pretty much want to do all the time now, um, I can go on hikes and I can do all kinds of fun stuff. So it is that, you know, I, I see the kind of like nutritional world and the fitness world. It's kind of one and the same of this, these two things of like everybody telling you you should look a certain way by doing certain things mm-hmm. versus, you know, I just want to be happy. I just want to feel happy and I want to feel good about myself. And if I eat and train in such a way that makes me achieve that mm-hmm. then the byproduct of that is probably looking better anyway hey guys welcome back to the Farrell's fit podcast uh with me your aging but still hanging on for dear life host uh peter Vodden. um i am here today with uh my producer brandon hey brandon hey peter how you doing good brother good, good to, to be back you. yeah how you feeling i'm alive you're alive just like you yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're hanging in there uh my delightful wife emily cavell hello, hello emily and our guest extraordinaire today is Bethany Wools. Uh, hey, Bethany. Hello. I'm going to introduce, I'm going to tell people what you do in a second. Great. But I just want to say hi. Hi. Um, uh, today's uh, podcast is on a really interesting topic, something that's coming more and more to the forefront of our minds when we, when we talk about what we eat is, is the psychology of nutrition. You know, previously on the podcast, we've talked a lot about, you know, macros and calories and, you know, nutrient density on that kind of thing. But more and more, um, when you're in the game for a long time, you realize that ro- what really matters is, is the psychology of nutrition, why people eat what they eat, and what makes people turn to those habit foods, or why people you know, can't, can't maintain quote-unquote healthy diets for long periods of time and so forth. So Bethany's a kind of an expert on this subject. She's going to you know, tell us a little bit about herself and uh, the experience that she's had. And I think a lot of you guys out there are going to find this really interesting uh really helpful uh and it's going to enable you to uh to notice some kind of maybe some similarities in in what she's saying and the things you can relate to and um yeah like i said i think it's gonna be really 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 interesting and really useful for you guys yeah i feel like the this episode came kind of on the precipice of this idea okay i got got a tangent really quickly but i promise i'll bring it around i'll bring it around i will bring it around so we um you know we're in the industry of like health and wellness and constant like betterment and people come to us because they want like awesome transformation and all of these like you know fun things that hopefully inspire people to like live out their best and happiest lives right but there's this 
rabbit hole. Like there's the, like I feel like when you when you go in with that mindset, you kind of walk this line between self betterment and things that are actually making your life it, it like improve and happier, and things that just kind of become an obsession. You know, like that interesting line between self improvement and the spiral of uh, when that becomes like a problem. Well, and well, I and also it's it's. Bethany will talk about this, I'm sure. It's like mm -hmm. the thing that you think is going to make you happy doesn't actually make you happy. Right, or are so. we even building goals around happiness? Like, are we even considering happiness in our quest of goals? Like, where are our actual goals coming from? So I, we essentially brought Bethany in because, like, our minds are just racing with all of these questions, you know? And especially for us, I think, like, being a part of the solution and not like perpetuating the problem is something that we always want to be like self-aware of and like asking those questions and like working on those things and having that conversation so thank you bethany for coming and joining us and helping us wrap our brains around uh you know diet culture and what all what's going on all with the that. rabbit holes yeah what got you into this um so many things um i I grew up around the world of nutrition. My dad owned a nutrition company. Um, so I was sort of like in that world from the get-go. But I think when I was a kid and a teenager, you know, I, I am and was an actress. And part of that, you know, quest in the 90s was looking a certain way. And so I started to like dip my toe in the water of dieting every diet on the face of the planet and that spiraled into a horrible eating disorder um and so i think in sort of like healing from this eating disorder or recovery i got really into looking at nutrition as sort of a more holistic tool which it you know it, it's not just about what you put in your body yields a specific result it's it's how do you feel about what you're eating how do you feel when you're eating how do you feel about the food choices you're making um and then i sort of went the psychology route i, I have my degree in psychology and then started working with um kids and teenagers that were primarily struggling with eating disorders in an inpatient facility. So all of that is just to sort of say that, I, yes, I have several experiences. Well, what's <laughs> interesting is that I love that you came from the route of psychology first. Like you mm. didn't, you know, know that this was going to be a part of your life because it's just what you have lived. You know, your, your dad owns a nutrition company, so right. that's just going to be your life. So, okay, I'm, you know, doing nutrition and leaning into that it kind of brought you to a place where you're like, wait, I need to look at this from a different approach. Yeah. So you kind of took a step away, went and studied psychology, and then it seems like it kind of led you into this path of being like, how do I not, like, how do I help the future not turn into what happened to me? Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and also, like, again, you know, being in the acting industry, I was looking around like, okay, here are all these people who have, the money and the resources to be getting the best training, the best nutritional coaching, the best everything. Why is this still? I mean, you know, I was also a waitress and I would be like waiting on actresses who were like 
eating vegetables with no olive oil, you know, like right. things that are like, and I, to me it was so frustrating and mind boggling. Like, how is it that we have all of these resources, we have all of this information at our fingertips, both in the psychology world and in the nutrition world, and we're not quite fusing them together? Right. It, it's funny because it's also in the training world, it's, uh, you know, the reason people don't get the results they're looking forward quite often it's not because they don't know what they should be doing right it's just that they can't right make themselves do it right right and yeah it's the same thing. yeah it's the same exact thing and it's like you know we have all of this access to especially with the internet now we have all of the access to like here's exactly what to eat to look right. like this or whatever right. and it's just that it's like we're we're not hitting all the things because we're not overcoming our own psychology or we're not analyzing our own psychology and like our relationship with food, our relationship with ourselves. Really. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we, we wanted to kind of bring this point up a little bit later, but what you're talking about, the, the internet and internet advice and that kind of thing, you know, one of the problems is there is just too much advice. There is so much like quote unquote advice on there, good and bad, that people can't, you know, find the right path for them because it's impossible if, if you don't understand yourself and you go into it like, I'm going to look at this, this person, what this person needs, and I'm going to look at this person, what this person needs. Right. Not really accounting for their own situation or their own experience or that kind of thing. They're just taking bits from all these different right. people, jumbling it all together and just ending up in a huge confused me mess. Yeah, um, I mean, you want to talk about rabbit hole. Like, there's a diet, there are hundreds of thousands of diets and like now we have Instagram and YouTube and <laughs> Facebook and there's a page for literally every single one of these diets. I mean, you could spend like hours and hours and hours looking at all of these different philosophies or diets or whatever and still not come up with what the right answer is for you. Right. Why right. do you think that is? Which part? Why do I think that there are so many diets? No, well. <laughs> to that I one guess, is, like, yeah. why the hell are there so many diets in this world? The answer to that question is money. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, it's 100%. So that I guess that's actually a better thing is like the, um, like the business around. Yeah. That uh, uh, like around nutrition is what makes like oh well let you know is what perpetuates the division of like eat this not that my way is the way right. this is you know do my approach because this is like the proven effective method to blah 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 yeah you it's know? marketing right yeah. it's just marketing yeah yeah I mean the diet industry is like a multi billion dollar industry and it stays that way because. I mean, we'll get into this too, right? right. right. Yeah. But there's always new diet and diets don't work. Right. And it sucks because like, I feel like every diet is still like, it can't help but perpetuate that like, as if the ultimate, as if everyone's goal should be to, uh, to be as thin as possible. Yeah. Right. You know, like you like do this because right. it will help to do, you know, to make you as lean as humanly possible. Right. Um, and so it just kind of it like it, it, it's almost like the quest comes from a place of like it's never going to be enough. So then right. people are like, it, you know, you may not like you try this diet and because you think that the like because we're perpetuated by this idea of like. I need to be as thin as possible or be my leanest self, then because you're quote unquote not as lean as possible, then you're like, oh, that diet didn't work. So then you just go to the next one and the next one because you're chasing this thing that is like never gonna happen. 
but companies and the and industry knows that, so they're just going to keep capitalizing on that quest. Right. You know. Well, and the other thing which is important to point out is that diets aren't sustainable. And especially if you are embarking on the quest of, I'm going to go on this diet because I need to lose 20 pounds in 30 days. Like, that's not sustainable. It's not, it, it, uh, there's no other, other way to say it. You can't, you can't sustain that, that type of living, both nutritionally, mentally, time-wise, right. commitment-wise. It's just not healthy and it's not feasible. And I think what happens is people, you know, will start a diet, like a very restrictive diet. Let's let's use that, like, you know, lose 20 pounds in 30 days. Also, if you're listening to this and are thinking that, like, please run in the other direction. But, um, you know, like, okay, so maybe you're super strict for five days. You lose a couple pounds. You're like, this is awesome. Day six, you feel like shit. Day seven, you are going out to, like, happy hour with your girlfriends or whatever, and, like, real life gets in the way, and then you totally go off the wagon because, you know, you've been restricting yourself for seven days, and you're hungry, and then... And then you feel bad about yourself you afterwards. You feel terrible you're about like, yourself. You're like, I've been working so hard, and now I've, like, hit, come over the edge, and now I feel like I'm spiraling. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that's built in. I mean, that's built into these diets is, like feeling like a failure so that you'll continue to buy the next diet or continue to buy, you know, whatever they're selling you is the next step or the the bigger commitment. It's just, it's like a, it's a really vicious cycle. And the add-on supplements you need to yeah. stick with <laughs> yeah, this diet. Yeah, In order yeah. to do it, you're going to need this, 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 right. this. Because you'll be feeling like shit so because you're not eating enough. I would say like it, with everything we've just said, one might wonder why would you be in this industry? Like, why, you know, like, (laughs) like, what is it that makes you excited? Like, other than your own past, Mm -hmm. like, what is your approach or perspective or, like, hope in having this be a part of, like, having this be what you do? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I can sort of reconcile that because I'm not in the industry of dieting. I'm in the industry of nutrition. And that's a big difference. For sure. Um, and that's an important distinction. I feel like we should pause. That's like, and like, uh, like feel that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Give that a moment. Because I think those two, it's like, oh, I want to go on a diet. You need a nutritionist. And they go hand in hand. Right. So what would you say, like, you're not in the industry of dieting. What is the industry of nutrition? So I think that's different for every nutritionist. For me, it's, I mean, my sort of philosophy and Um, what I try to do with my clients is coming at it from a place of like nourishment, coming at it from a place of um, what does health actually look like? P.S. It usually doesn't look like being as skinny as you possibly can or being as lean as you possibly can. Yeah, so it's more about, again, like going back to the psychology of it, right? Which is like, for me, it's not just about the food and like teaching people how to eat certain food groups or not to eat certain food groups or like here's vitamins and minerals it's also about what is your relationship like with your body what is your relationship to the food that you're eating how do you feel when you're eating the food that you're eating how does your body feel which is a different thing than how you're feeling emotionally you know it's it's more of a holistic approach um that sort of encompasses more than just the food and more than just the physical results of that food right so when somebody comes to you and is like i want to work with you because 
I want to look like you. Or oh I want to lose. Yeah, do you get that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to lose 10 pounds. So I'm going to go work with Bethany because she's awesome. And I heard about this thing called intuitive eating. And that sounds fucking great. Let's go do that. Uh, what do you say to those clients? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, <laughs> like, but that unpack. is the thing, right? Like right. you come and you're like, okay, what do you want? I want to lose 10 pounds. I would love to look like you. Like whatever you got going on, I would love to get on that train. Um, all right, I'm ready for the plan. Yeah, so first of all, if somebody comes to me and they say I want to lose 10 pounds, it's like, okay, why? Are you, do you want to lose 10 pounds because you think that'll make you feel better about yourself? Because you think that'll make your, do you think that'll make you happy? Do you think that you'll feel better in your body? Like what's, what's deeper than I want to lose 10 pounds and can we make that the goal? Right, mm. it's, it's just different, differentiating between what do you want to look like versus what do you want to feel like? Exactly. Like tell me how you want to feel as exactly. opposed to tell me what you want to look like. Or what exactly. kind of life do you want? Like for, you know, like I want to feel good in my own skin every day right because and let me just say this like that has nothing to do with what you weigh and i you know i have clients or i know people who they'll lose the 10 pounds and they get to that whatever quote unquote goal weight and they're still unhappy right you know i've been thinking about it lately in terms of, of training it's like the, there are these two polarities between training in a way that makes me look good versus training in a way that makes me feel good now, I can train a certain way that might make me look great and I might post a picture on Instagram and everyone will be going, oh my God, you look great. And I'll get that instant dopamine rush of like, oh, people said I look nice. Um, but then it's, it's a very empty quest. It's like, well, where does that end? You just, try, you just keep trying to get more perfect and more perfect and more perfect and it just ends in a, in a mess. Versus I'm gonna train in such a way that makes me feel great. So now I can do certain things. I have a... I have more capability. Right. I can I can run if I need to. I can play with my kid if I want to. If I go to the beach, I can run. I can swim. If I want to go uh, on holiday in Montana, which I pretty much want to do all the time now, um, I can go on hikes and I can do all kinds of fun stuff. So it is that you know I, I see the kind of like nutritional world and the, the fitness world. It's kind of one and the same. Of this these two things of like everybody telling you you should look a certain way by doing certain things mm -hmm. versus. You know, I just want to be happy. I just want to feel happy and I want to feel good about myself. And if I eat and train in such a way that makes me achieve that, mm -hmm. then the byproduct of that is probably looking better anyway. Yeah, and right. it's a different it's a different outcome in terms of sustainability, in terms right. of how long you can maintain that quote unquote like healthy lifestyle because you're you're not coming at it from this perfectionistic sort of very linear way it's yeah. it's a more holistic and and therefore in my opinion a, a healthier way of doing it and i'd say one of the biggest changes in me from my like 20s to my 30s and 40s is <laughs> is um not asking the question how many calories are in this product asking myself the question how much nutrition how much nutritional value is in this product right because you can buy a ton of shit that's like low cal oh, right it's, it's also low anything right like or it does like not low, have anything or of value diet in foods in general yeah. that are like oh gluten-free blah 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 it's like free of anything yeah there is know? nothing in this product that does my body any good right whereas if i eat like uh grass-fed steak <laughs> I'm a big media there, guys. Sorry, I'm not into that. But 
if I eat a grass-fed steak that's full of nutritional density, <clears throat> I know it has a caloric value that's maybe maybe fairly high, but I know there's a ton of like bioavailable nutrition in there that my body will be able to use very easily. And right. to that point, like if you, you know, it's kind of like the the low calorie ice cream, then you end up eating like 10 of them, <laughs> right. you know? It's like yeah. that where it's like instead of this like there are good foods and bad foods, if you don't demonize a food and you're then like it's okay to just eat the actual ice cream as it is as opposed to the right. gluten-free, sugar-free, blah blah blah, da, 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 da. Right. you know, so there's no guilt around this food that then tends to cause you know behavioral things like binging or just like yeah. guilt around right. eating this thing right. like what pete what's so funny to hear pete talk about is like we experience the same thing as females and i think we forget that dudes feel this way too like um as a female for me actually in particular just speaking on my own experience the times that i have been complimented the most I have been the least healthy. Mm. Like the times that I was my quote unquote skinniest, like I remember this time in college and I had lost all this weight and I was also like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and like, Fun. you know. Is this your uh, smoking an Adderall diet? It, this was my smoking Adderall <laughs> and tortillas with peanut butter. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not eating, you know, yeah. but like right. it's, it's a, it's horrible because then you post a photo and then everyone's like, oh my God, you look great. Or, you know, there are times that I'm like not caring about my sleep or my nutrition or my, just like my happiness in general. And people will say, wow, Emily, you look great. And it's so hard because you're like, oh, please don't perpetuate my bad yes, behaviors. Yes. Like well, that I know that this isn't something that I should be doing, but right. you complimenting me makes me like want to keep Correct. doing it. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like I, when I was the sickest in my eating disorder, I was getting the most compliments, the most compliments and, and, you know, job offers from modeling, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's like, uh, people are complimenting you or in, in my case, me, like while I'm dying, essentially. Right. And also like, I think if I can just say, I think to fix that or, or part of the solution as gym owners, as people within this, you know, Pharaoh's community is to take the to take the focus away from how people look or um, that sort of result oriented complimenting complimenting and and just the emphasis on like what the result is and put the emphasis on again like well how are people feeling yeah yeah I, I we did a a Pharos takeover recently and uh, Noah did one day and he said something very good Noah, which I kind of like. Yeah, I, I it, it's something that I, has always been like part of my, you know, philosophy, but it, it kind of brought it back home was like, don't ask yourself what you look like, ask yourself what you're capable of. So it mm. brings that it brings that question back to, okay, let's bring it all back to capability. And, and what can you really like do with your fitness? Um, can you perform certain tasks and make the completion of those tasks the thing? and not the aesthetic of the thing, the thing. Right. And like I said, like usually, if you can do the stuff, you'll look better anyway. But it, the, the looking better isn't the, the focus. The doing yeah. the stuff is the focus, and the way you look is the consequence of the focus. Right. But it's just a different mindset. You know? Right, and I would say for nutrition, it's, 
it's for me anyway in my sort of philosophy it's less about like you know ticking the boxes and more about well how do you feel I know I keep saying that but it really is right. it's so yeah. important because right. I, I mean think, this is food therapy like you're literally yeah. approaching it from, yeah like and like if somebody comes and asks you for a thing what macros should they be eating like you're not going to give them macro like well, it's not, <laughs> and, and it's not this you know like no two people are the same <laughs> You know, like there are some people who feel great on a vegan diet, eating a really high carb, you know, pro right. nutritional profile. There are other people who feel like shit on that diet. That's how I know that garbage, like diets really are bullshit. Because they like are, heat, yeah. for instance, it dominates and feels really well and it's easy to sustain on like a more carnivore type diet. And, uh, and then like some it, people are like, oh, that's horrible. And you should, you know, and then like the carnivores are against the vegans and the ketos and the, like, there's <laughs> so many. And that's how you know that it's bullshit because everybody, like different things work for different people. So why yeah. can we, like, how can well, we say that the there's problem, an absolute the problem with everything? We, we are in such a polarizing culture of you mm -hmm. have to be in this camp. Right. Or you have to be in this camp. Right. There's no like in between of like. Well, some of this makes sense and some of this makes sense. And for different people, different things make sense. So right. It's okay to not be in camps all the time. Right. Like, just be, I always call it like the lack of common sense in modern society. There is no common sense anymore. You have to either be all for this or all for that. And you can't right. be in the middle with. And never the two shall meet. <laughs> right. Like for instance, a lot of people in the intuitive eating space mm -hmm. are um, like very like anti-macros, anti-diet, anti-things like that. But we've had conversations where it's like, you have kind of made it sound like there are tools in the box and it is but one yeah, tool kind of. Exactly. And I, again, it all comes back to like who I'm sitting across as a client or in, in these days sitting on Zoom with. If you're someone who has struggled with eating disorders or you have obsessive compulsive tendencies or you know, you kind of have those rabbit holey tendencies, I'm not going to give you a list of boxes to check off because you're going to get obsessive about it if you're and so in that case I might like sort of encourage you to go the intuitive eating route and I, I encourage kind of everybody to just like, at least everyone ends up that. in that path right you start there or right there. It, right it sounds like I mean right the goal is intuitive eating is the goal right like we I'm pretty sure everyone and their mother would love to say oh I don't diet I just intuitively eat what is yes. best for my body yes and I it's not something that I stress about like isn't that the goal for everyone. I, you know? I would think so. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, because we were talking about this, like experimentation is fun, right? Like right. They're, they're, you know, it's, it's not like, oh, I'm either anti-diet or I'm obsessive about dieting. Like, can you speak to what are the role that diets play in your practice? I guess would be the question. So again, I'm, uh, are you anti-diet? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Uh, am I, I'm not anti-experimentation, meaning like if you want to, if you're curious about how you'll feel on a vegan diet and you're coming at that from the place of curiosity and like wanting to feel better or wanting to do it for, you know, whatever the reasons are, environmental reasons, whatever, try it, try it and see what happens, but don't be married to it either way. Treat it like you would do it a science experiment. So like, what am I feeling? How is my body performing? Am I starting to get obsessive about this? So I'm I'm not anti-diet in the in in those terms. Where I get anti-diet is like 
I don't want a client calling me and being like, which this has happened, being like, I'm on the carnivore diet. I'm only eating meat from now on because I'm afraid of carbohydrates. I'm afraid of vegetables. I'm afraid of fruit or keto. I mean, fucking don't get me started on keto. (laughs) Like there's so much fear around these diets. And that's where I'm anti-diet is because a lot of these diets are perpetuating and, um, kind of promoting fear-based eating well this is this is also the problem it's like people people cannot be honest with themselves about how they feel when they eat certain things because they want to adhere to a dogma so they're like i want to believe in this so i'm going to tell myself that i feel better when i eat this way even if they don't but because they want to adhere to the dogma they'll push it that was that was a lot in paleo like i feel like when you first started the crossfit lifestyle everyone's like paleo 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 we're all like pretending we're all going to like parties and bringing paleo dishes (laughs) and stuff and it's like at the end of the day no one talks about paleo anymore because they all hated themselves on it well yeah i think it's that but i think that's it's also something deeper which is that i think we live in a society that perpetuates and sort of glorifies being disconnected with your body to an to an extent so like people actually don't know how they feel oftentimes right people actually don't know how to check in with their body and be like do i feel good i don't know you know we've become so disconnected to how we feel physically even that it's some people truly don't know that they feel like shit right that's Which it, it, I love that you keep circling back to this because you're like, no, guys, it really, it is really all about is. Feelings. Yeah, it like, really it, is. You can develop a connection. To I'm also those a feelings. Pisces, so <laughs> I'm all about the feeling. Let, let, let's take it. Let's take it back a little bit. Um, so when you when you first started working in this kind of area, mm-hmm. were there like common threads you could see in people that were leading to these eating disorders, eating disorders, or you know problems with food? And were, was it like? Um, certain events in their lives or was it just like patterns of behavior over long periods of time that led to so i guess i'm talking about eating disorders yes so eating disorders are very different than you know like your run-of-the-mill food issues right um in what way like uh, what would it, like it, it, give me an example of like a behavior difference like what would be like oh i just have everyday issues and then like how do i know that it's actually like oh yeah. wait is this something everyone deals with or sh- like how do you know that it's actually an issue yeah i would say like how much i mean i should really just pull up like the national eating disorder awareness uh uh goalposts for this stuff but i would say it's you know are you obsessing First of all, are you obsessing should just be the question everybody asks themselves about anything. As soon as you're starting to get into that obsessive territory, it's like danger zone. Yeah, you're an addict. Whether, and how do you know yeah. yeah. what are some like... So are like, you spending... I could say I'm not obsessing. Like how, what are some like behaviors that are triggers, I think is what Pete's talking about. Is it like events yeah. or it, like patterns or things to yeah. just be mindful is of? It, is it like a trauma? Do you find like it's a trauma that happens to them at some point in their lives or is it like something that gradually creeps up so either either i guess yeah Yeah, it really depends on the person i mean i would say all of us uh experience trauma in in one way or another um eating disorders specifically are a way in which um people cope with that trauma it's a coping mechanism it's and contrary to what 
everybody seems to believe it's actually not about, it's rarely about how you look. Meaning people don't develop a full-blown eating disorder because they want to look a certain way. That might be how it presents, but it's, it's more about um, establishing a sense of control yes. when someone doesn't feel like they have control in their right. lives otherwise, which P.S. none of us do. But um, yeah, I think um, going back to your question, like, is it a trauma or is it something that is a little more insidious and creeps in slowly? It, it really depends. And I think things, signs to look out for, should you have that sort of like creeping sense of, ooh, is this danger zone territory? You know, how much time are you spending thinking about food? How much time are you spending thinking about exercise? Are you planning days in advance for what you're going to eat? Are you skipping social events? Be I mean, not that we have social events right yeah, now. Right? Quarantine, yeah, but like my normal. Yeah. Events. Yeah. Once upon a time. Yeah. Uh, uh, RIP. Um, <laughs> but you know, are you are you are you altering your life and and are you altering your social life to fit this sort of quote unquote diet or healthy eating? I think that's like to me, when I see that start to happen with people, that's a big, big red flag. Yeah. Are you sacrificing parts of your life that would otherwise make you happy to stay on this? Do you do you find with that though? There's another there's another side of it that's happening right now. It's like, you know, with the obesity crisis and so many people like with with you know bad health and the, you know problems with weight and that kind of thing and you know, diabetes is, you know, off the chart and all this kind of thing. There's the other side of it of like, well, I'm eating this because it makes me happy. And ultimately it's making them sick. So it's like, how do you, how do you say someone, you know, if it's making you happy, you should eat it mm -hmm. while saying, but the things you're eating that's making you happy is actually making you sick. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a difficult kind of, yeah. relationship with those two things because on the one side it's like you know don't restrict yourself because it's going to cause problems mm -hmm. with you know obsessive eating but if you don't have some control over what you eat you're going to end up on the other, other end of the of the spectrum yeah I think it's sort of either end of the pendulum swing right so like ideally everybody would be balanced in that nice happy like middle ground where everybody's mostly eating healthfully mindfully without fear or you know too many emotions involved um and also enjoying food and like eating a piece of pizza and eating the cupcake and eating you know whatever it is i think we start to get um we start to get a little out of whack on either end when Let me say this. I think a lot of the focus on like obesity and also a lot of the focus on diet culture are intrinsically linked. I think we have such a problem, and this is just my opinion. I'm not basing this on a study or anything. This is just me talking out of my ass. I think that the reason we have such an insane problem on both ends of the spectrum both eating disorders and obesity and you know all this kind of stuff in this in this country is because we focus so much on this like thin ideal and 
you know, putting, we, there's also so much, um, stigma and, and fat phobia in this culture. And I think that that backfires and that's where like we have this obesity quote unquote epidemic or whatever. Well, because it makes it sound like there's fat people and there's thin people and thin people are afraid of fat people and fat people are either happy being fat or they are on the search to being thin but one, like, uh, this is a topic that you said to me, uh, like, just a theme that you said to me that I think is, like, I've just been thinking about this so much mm-hmm. every day since we have spoken about this, mm-hmm. is this idea of, like, how can we promote that you can be healthy at every and any size? Yeah. Which then, because, like, it, you know, because it's, like, it's perpetuated because if you... Like, I've been very much overweight, and the stress of being overweight perpetuates the choices that I make. So it kind of sounds like from Bethany's perspective, if you approach it from a place of um, like mindset, what's the goal, what is my thing, then I can, be, I can be happy with the place that I'm at, not have the guilt and the obsession that causes then the behaviors that mm-hmm. like perpetuate the, unha- the unhappiness and unhealthiness mm-hmm. without like, while still being okay at the size that I am, you mm-hmm. know, like whether I, you know, cause I've been between 110 pounds and I was not healthy and was like my worst self to 160 pounds. And I don't think that I was happy then either. And like, you know, it's like, how can I find happiness at each of those places, regardless mm-hmm. of where you are? So it's not a, you're either this person or you're this person. Mm-hmm. You can find health in any, like wherever you are in that, uh, like wherever you are on that journey, you know? Yeah. There's a couple of things, that, that, a couple of problems that I, that I see. And I think it's probably worse in America than I, than I think it is anywhere else. But it, I think it exists worldwide. One is irresponsible marketing. Yes. Yeah. And I'll go Jesus. deeper into that in a second. And the other, which is on the other, other side of it, is blame culture and a lack of accountability. So on one side, and I read this article today. It was, I think it was an article or a post. It was that um, Subway sandwiches in Ireland, <laughs> Subway can no longer say that they serve bread. They can no longer say that their sandwiches that. are made of bread yeah. because technically it's not bread. It's, it's a bunch sh- of chemicals. <laughs> and sugar. It's a bunch of chemicals oh, yeah. and sugar that blows up disguised as bread. So they're no longer in Ireland can they say there's bread in their sandwiches because it's not fucking bread. Yeah. So... You know, you have this huge thing of, you know, marketing and like, this is healthy for you. This is healthy for you. You know, we, we've seen it a, a million times of like, you know, the biggest loser for years, like told everybody to eat Subway sandwiches, even though they knew it was a bunch of chemical bullshit. You know, mm. it's, it, and this is, you know. Well, they had a pedophile too, who was their marketing oh, okay. race. Yeah, and no, I mean, that. Subway maybe. might be the worst oh. company ever. Yeah, maybe. No, no values. <laughs> no no values. But anyway, you know, so the, with all these different like health products has been like, eat this, it's healthy for you. Eat this, it's healthy for you. Low fat, low fat. For years it's been going on and they, they knew it wasn't good for people, but it's happened. So on that side of it, I think that's of course led to a massive problem with, with a lack of health, mm-hmm. a lack of immune system health and, a, 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 and an increase in obesity. But then on the other side of it, people have become less and less accountable for the things they do to their own body and their own actions. Mm. So it's kind of like, well, it's not my fault. They told me it was healthy. It's not my fault. I didn't know it wasn't good for me. So there's that weird thing going on of like people for some reason these days don't 
make don't want to make themselves aware because they'd rather like have someone else to blame for their problems but i think you're also if i may just say i think you're also coming from that from the perspective of somebody who this is your life like your life is nutrition and training and and the pursuit of the truth of what the best nutrition and training is other people don't have access to that information and this is where i start to get like pissed off at the the marketing thing right it's like people who don't have the access to this information or who can't afford to hire a nutritionist or who can't you know don't know to log on and read all these studies or don't have the time or whatever are going to subway thinking this is the healthiest alternative it's something i can afford right which is also which you is know also i grew up on yeah. taco bell this is the exact same yeah. thing where mcdonald's it's like, feeds one yeah. percent of the world yeah right exactly. yeah. right which you know like it's frustrating to me because it, i think we can sit here from our very privileged you know and and this is our our lifestyle right saying like how do people not know this how are how are people letting themselves become unaware of this and it's people don't have access and and they are doing the best that they can could people hold themselves more accountable i don't know i would have to talk to that person and see what their knowledge is and see you know what their access is to this knowledge um but I think it's also important to recognize that that not everybody has access to the right information or and the privilege to be as aware. Yeah. Yeah. Accessibility is everything. Like, do I have the ability to do this? Like you right. said, Mark Subway has a tens of hundreds of million dollar marketing campaign going. So the first thing they're going to see when they open something up is Subway's. Yeah, goods. I mean, come Subway's on, the this. Olympics is sponsored by McDonald's, people. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is what this is what we're working with. It's so you know? ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know, like I think this is also, I mean, not to go too down, too far down this rabbit hole, but like one of the big frustrations in the sort of quote unquote wellness community is just this question of access. You know, like there are people touting thirty-two dollar smoothies. Like this is you have to drink this smoothie to be healthy. Which God bless them. And do I love an Erewhon smoothie? Absolutely. Does it also leak my bank account you know it's like yeah sure but right and is it health or is it just the marketing of health and it could and it it, it very very well could be healthy it very well could be like you know the the creme de la creme of health right (laughs) but you also have to recognize that like not everybody can afford that smoothie and if that's the only way you're get your your um relaying this information to people is like you have to buy this you have or to buy you this have protein to have powder grass-fed beef like right families don't have like they don't they don't even know what that means you're gonna right. double you the know? price when you go to the store you see the grass-fed section right and you see the regular yeah, yeah. ones like someone's like right i can't afford that right uh with that one sure let's let's move on okay um so you, you've treated both men and women in this yes group. Do you see any like major psychological differences between men and women, like when it comes to food? When it comes to relationships, relationships with food. Yeah. Yes, I would say it's more dependent on how people are socialized. Right. Um. I think that women, by and large, are socialized and sort of uh, made to feel like they need to be thin, at least in this culture um you know there's 
we've talked about like the thin ideal um but men too have a have a huge pressure on them to be jack and tan yeah yeah sure um so like yeah I also treated I mean when I worked with eating disorder clients we had a lot of young boys who would come in um with some pretty severe eating disorders too so it it doesn't affect just women what what were those eating disorders is that is it still like anorexia bulimia that kind of Mm -hmm. thing or is it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah or um like orthorexia, which is kind of what I think we were touching on before with like the rabbit hole stuff. Orthorexia is neither anorexia or bulimia, but it's this like extreme fixation on quote unquote health. Um, You know, wanting to be like super fit or super healthy to the point where it's becoming unhealthy. Right. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of all over the spectrum. Yeah, that's interesting because it is that thing like sometimes, and even I find myself in that position sometimes where you're like, when you get in that mindset, you're sitting in a restaurant and you're looking at the menu and you're like, oh my God, I can't eat anything. Oh my God, I can't eat anything. Everything's bad for me. Everything's bad for me. Like you can screw yeah. yourself if you go too far into that and just relax. This is going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's going to be all right. Yeah. But I think like that's so important to talk about too because we live in LA <laughs> you know, like that is so normalized to like go out to dinner and be like oh I can't eat this I'm blah right. blah blah you know whatever but that's like that's not it's a problem health. it's a problem right. it's right. a problem if you can't go out to dinner with your best friends or your significant other without like freaking out about what you're eating I think right. we're tiptoeing into some some dog territory yeah <laughs> right which is interesting because I feel like a, a lot of people are afraid to say I have an eating disorder or like I recognize that this is a problem so I'm going to pers- I'm going to like seek out help. It mm-hmm. sounds like what you're saying is like I mean we all kind of teeter that line, right? Like whether it's because of our social media and we're like liking you know whether or whether it's because of our environment where we live or our environment of what we grew up in, your you industry, know, uh, uh, your industry like you know we got in this industry to help people and to like you know better people's lives. And you look and you're like, oh, wait, but there's a rabbit hole yeah. of that, of like the people that get lost in that pursuit, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. and mm-hmm. how it's actually easier. It, like it could happen to anyone. And, mm-hmm. you know, do you, do you, so in, in the time that you started this kind of the, this, this kind of part of your life mm-hmm. to now, mm-hmm. have you noticed things get worse because of social media and that kind of thing? Or is it? It's funny not to not to age myself in the backwards way, but like I was so young when social media became a thing that I don't think I was really aware of how it was affecting everybody around me, including myself. Um, What I know is that there have been so many, and thankfully they're starting to do more studies, um, so many studies on how it affects us like body image wise Mm. and um, specifically teenagers. Right. And it's horrifying. Yeah, you saw that uh, documentary, was it? Yeah, The Social Dilemma. Yeah, The Social Dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. And how much it's affecting teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, like body image specifically. In fact, there was a... um, an Australian study done recently. Let me see if I can pull this up. There was an Australian study done. I mean, basically, in summary, like the it wasn't core. Or I'm sorry, it wasn't causational. It was correlational. Whereas, like the the time spent on social media correlated to a lower 
body image, like lower feelings or more negative body feelings image. About your own body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can see it makes perfect sense. People like from the date, from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed, they are scrolling through people that they want to look like but don't. Right. I mean, not even the people who post those photos look like like those photos, you know, (laughs) they're edited and photoshopped and filtered and yeah, it's a, it's, you know, holding this sort of like unrealistic ideal. How can you not compare yourself to? God, we should just fucking stop social media. I know. Can we all just give up? There's an NYU professor, Jonathan Haidt, and he's says the same thing putting like age caps or like when you can get on social yeah. media right. like yeah. yeah. you drive at 16 you can't get yeah yeah it's just so toxic the whole yeah. thing Ugh. okay so I keep coming back to this but I think it's important because there are a lot of people in this industry right mm-hmm. like there are people uh, like health professionals mm-hmm. um, what would you say like being in this industry what steps can professionals take to be a part of the solution and not just perpetuate the problem I would say awareness is the biggest thing that comes to mind immediately. Like, be aware of the messaging that you're putting out. Um, You know, know what the eating disorder signs and symptoms are. Know what, like, orthorexia looks like. You know, kind of just, like, be aware of that. Be aware of what goals you are putting on a pedestal like maybe don't make the messaging that weight loss is the goal or looking a certain way is the goal or like having abs or you know whatever like make it make it more about how you feel or goals that are not um physically oriented no that's right not like it's say. more of like a reflection of your values and like the kind of life or like, you want or the capabilities, capa- that you I, capabilities. I, have a, I have a great example of this uh, and it came from uh my client frankie the other day and she said um she was swimming uh i think it was last sunday and um a big riptide came in and uh one wave bowled her over another wave bowled her over and she 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 couldn't swim in she was like she was being sucked out by the tide. Another white wave kept hitting her. And she said she, she literally did not have the strength to get back to shore. Mm. It was a whole thing. The lifeguard came out, had to rescue <gasps> her. Yeah, it was a big a, a big deal. She thought she was going to like... Perish. Perish. And, um, you know, she came in on the Monday and it, it was like, it was an indication to me that I need to get stronger. Mm. Not that I need to lose weight, not mm-hmm. that I need to look better, mm-hmm. but in order to survive in this world, mm-hmm. I need to get stronger. Yeah, and it's that's the. I mean, when when you're a parent and and you know you 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 want to tell your kid things, it's like, in order to get through this life and be as you know healthy and as vibrant as you can and do all the things you're going to want to do, you're going to have to develop some strength. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just physical strength, but physical strength, you know, uh, mental strength, mm-hmm. um, tenacity, cardiovascular strength, like yeah, all, yeah. yeah tenacity, <laughs> yeah. all of it, and the um, strength to be aware and stand up to slash not be not drop into the rabbit hole like that is you know like Mm -hmm. uh, that's all strength and I love that Pete says that because like everything is a function of strength for him like you know that (laughs) like strength is primary and Mm -hmm. you know strong uh, 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 you know it's like yeah that can manifest itself in a strength training program but really it's like he wants to perpetuate that like building more resilient humans that are like you know strong capable happy in their own skin and can pay that you know can you know pay that forward yeah yeah i mean resilience resilience is a word i always i always go back to and i I, you know i repeat it over and over again because it's just such a thing like people need to be resilient 
um, you know, life is just like it keeps keeps throwing shit at you. It really does. And if yeah. you're not resilient, it just buries you. Yeah, welcome to 2020. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and, and you know, I, I've said it before and I'll say it a billion times, you develop that resilience in the gym or you can develop that resilience in the gym through through training. It's something you train yourself to be. I think some of us by nature are more resilient than others but I firmly believe it's something it's that is trainable yeah. and it's, it's a process and it's something you can teach you know the, the worse the situation you put yourself in and survive the more resilient That's you terrible. become <laughs> but it's true if you know yeah. you can get through it then yeah it's unfortunate but it it's is a, I mean the less it, uh, the best lessons you learn are the lessons learned the hard way yeah. you know yeah. it's like we have a one year old now who just bonked his head and you look at it and you're like so sad and then you remember that like that pain built the neural plasticity in his own brain to like not make that mistake again he can walk upstairs now because he you know fell down a stair not really but like because he because he learns to fall he then learns to walk um, and that is just such a, you know, metaphor for life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and presumably with, with everything that we're talking about, Bethany, this isn't something that's just, just fixable. This is something that you just need to manage throughout your life. Like, like with any addiction, right? Yeah. You know, with alcoholic, you're never truly fixed. Right. You just have to manage it yeah. for the rest of your life. So I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of talk about that within the eating disorder treatment community, which is like recovery is not a finite term meaning right. you don't wake up one day and you're like i'm recovered yeah. great do i feel 1 million percent different than i did it when i was in my eating disorder uh yes like i i view the world differently i view food differently i view my body differently however like an alcoholic i know that there are certain things that i'm like ooh i can't tiptoe down yeah. that path too long or this is going to get a little murky you know right right, right. so yeah i think it's just something you have to uh, again it comes back to awareness and and connection connection and and um therapy yeah i, have I love was, therapy uh, well i was gonna say the um it sounds like really i mean like the goal of today really is just to like have a conversation about changing the culture right that mm -hmm. like we acknowledge that the culture is a certain way that perpetuates certain ideals mm -hmm. and that we want to be a part of changing that conversation and changing that culture and that like it's not something that we're just like boom done this is the way like you know it like that in itself figuring out what that culture shift is mm -hmm. and how like what that looks like is also a part of the process so with that being said what would you say because I'm big on this action <laughs> what are some like actionable strategies that you could give someone right now who's listening to this and saying like oh wow what an interesting way like intuitive eating I would love to find peace and freedom with food what what do I do other than calling you immediately and booking a <laughs> discovery call and having that conversation like oh, what God. is something that they could do today to have a more positive relationship with food that's a great question I think um, I think for starters, something that's totally free and like easy and you could do it literally as you're listening to this podcast is checking in with how you're feeling in your body, checking in with like maybe when you go home and eat dinner tonight or if you're you know about to eat lunch or whatever, like checking in and feeling, how does this feel? How am I feeling now that I've eaten this food? 
does that kale actually feel like crap now that I've eaten it? Like, you know, <laughs> I fucking hate kale. <laughs> it just made me snort. But, but, but that's, that's but a good point. But it's true because some people think that's kale's a, healthy and for yeah, some it's, it's like... Point. People will tell you, kale's good for you, eat it. And you're like, well, why do I feel like shit when I eat kale? It doesn't matter, just fucking yeah. eat it. <laughs> right. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing too is like part of intuitive eating is also recognizing like some of these healthy, like God bless... I don't know if I can say the name, but you know, there are certain quote unquote healthy restaurants in LA where every time I eat there and I'm, I recognize like, this is the most beautiful, you know, biodynamic, healthy food or whatever. (laughs) And then I eat it and I'm like, I'm going to die. Yeah. 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 But it's, you know, I mean, that's less about intuitive eating and more about just like checking in with how things feel. But I would say, um, there are tons of free resources online too. Like if you go to the intuitive eating website, everybody please look at the national eating disorder awareness website. Just like looking at that kind of stuff, taking their little, you know, screener and seeing if any of that resonates. Or if you're, if you're a coach or a nutritionist or in the wellness industry in any way, checking that out to kind of, be aware I think is really great um but you're you're saying in terms of like if somebody's saying I well want I think to- that's a good start right like so one actionable thing is like the very next time that you eat like your very next meal f- five minutes later how do you feel right. so so instead of like just running to my fitness pal and logging the macros right. of what the food is <laughs> right. what it like and, and, ha- like think more about journaling what it is doing yeah. to your body yeah. instead of and the I would value. Add, and I'm kind of gonna get obsessed with this now because I've got my new whoop which Uh-oh. is probably one of these problems but it's not just about how you feel 20 minutes after it's about because 20 minutes after eat, or like 10 minutes after eating ice cream you're gonna feel pretty feel pretty fucking good sure now two hours later right. you're probably gonna feel like right, shit that's right. right so like so continuing to check in with yourself yeah and also or like, depending on how like how much you eat like it, like you know okay I had a bowl of ice cream and it was great and then that one time that I felt horrible and downed in you know like and it went neck deep in it then I felt horrible and now I know okay it's not evil it's a like it, Balance. You know, it, it's yeah. a balance right. of figuring out what that is. So check in with yourself 20 minutes as you're eating, 20 minutes <laughs> after you yeah. eat, a and then hours. a few hours. Sure. And, and then, then the next day. And yeah, then the, the next, next day, day, ask yourself, how did yesterday's meals as a whole? I mean, I, I like, like a lot of it are energy levels the next day. Like, yeah. Everything I put into my body yesterday, how do I feel today? And also recognizing that it's okay to like, you know, once in a while have that bowl of ice cream or whatever even if you don't feel like or some listen. people eat ice cream every night like there's the if it fits your macros people right like there's a whole industry around but not- that that again I would say how do you feel and what sure. is the motivation behind eating and this is also what I was going to say like check in with yourself like why am I eating this thing am I eating this thing because I feel like it's the healthiest and like you know do it yeah Kale. it's gonna make me you know this diet this, this. <laughs> Disgusting. The demon known as kale. I know. We are not going to get sponsored by any kale companies on this. <laughs> no. Damn. Damn. Um, but you know, are you are you reaching for whatever it is you're reaching for because you feel like, oh, this fits into my macros, or like this is going to help me lose weight, or this is like a quote unquote safe food, or are you reaching for it because it's coming from a place of wanting to nourish your body and wanting right. to like enjoy your food and that's another thing that we didn't touch on that nourish your body and enjoy your food i love that but you know like food is also for pleasure 
Right. And that's okay. And that's okay. And that's necessary. For some people, it's not. Like, some people, like, you can interview some people who are just like, food is fuel. I only eat as I mm. need. You know? And that's I would just challenge like that. A diff- yeah, oh, you think so? You think so? I, think so. I would Everyone. challenge that. I, I like to think that those people are just a walking lie as well. Because I, here I am. <laughs> here I am being like, well, really? Because I like this. Because I really yeah. love that's it. It's social. It, you know, food yeah. is so social. Yeah. It, yeah. That's the same thing as like abstaining from sex and saying you never have any sexual urges. That just, that's not true. Well, that's a Is whole other thing. That's a whole <laughs> other. <laughs> um, so let's kind of wrap it up with, and this is kind of like, I don't know whether this is even an answerable question, but where do you see this journey taking you, like mm. personally? Mm-hmm. And what do you think the future is of nutritional coaching? I'll start with your second question first. I think there's all of this stuff is starting to kind of come to light, especially in light of quarantine and in light of the shitstorm that has been 2020 for most people in terms of like emotional eating and, you know, kind of figuring all this stuff out. Um, I think there's a lot around um, specificity to the client, meaning right. like just the stuff that we're talking about, like one specific diet maybe doesn't work for every single person in your client roster and how can we sort of cater to the specific needs of each person um things that are a little more tailor-made to each person's specific needs it was a little redundant but I think that's sort of I cannot impress yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think that's more hopefully where things are going Um, I do think we're starting to look at the psychology behind a lot of this stuff a little more now that we're having uh, or being met with such crazy psychological ramifications of, again, this last year. Yeah. I feel really passionate about liberating people and women specifically from a lot of these sort of um, social constructs that we put on top of nutrition and and the pressure that we put on we as a society I mean put on people to like eat a certain way or look a certain way or it's just you know exhausting and I'm like really really passionate about um educating people and kind of freeing people from all that stuff okay that's it for today guys thank you so much Bethany for coming in uh, now obviously the best way to work with Bethany right now is to join our limitless challenge starting on January 18th, 18th. until February 28th six weeks meet with Bethany weekly or check in with her every other week um, it's going to be a really exciting deep dive into psychology nutrition fitness wellness and building resilient habits that last a lifetime yeah everything you need to to hit 2021 running it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic so yeah you can sign up via the app or you can go to uh, www.jointhepack.fit slash limitless dash challenge boom he's got it people or you could just you know click at the bottom of these show notes and then you can get right there that will work okay guys until next time take care 